You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Well, we're gonna, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. It's been a morning already, an amazing, incredible morning full of God's goodness, full of, full of amazing things. And you know, my husband mentioned that I'm not usually the one to be like, I want to preach in our family between the two of us. I'm usually like, all right, I'll preach. <laughs> but I wanted to tell you that even my daughter asked me this morning, she's like, mom, is it scary preaching? I'm like, yeah, it is. It actually is. And, but with that, I taught her, I was like, but God's called me to it. And so I'm not going to shy away from what God's called me to. And for some of you here, that's a word. Oh, you can go home with that. If God's calling you to something and you're scared or saying no for whatever reason, check yourself before you wreck yourself. So just do it. If God's calling you to something, just do it. Say yes to the promises of God. So I love this, this series, Unshakable Joy, because I, I love it on one hand and I also feel the weight of it. And I was actually driving here this morning saying, God, why do I feel so heavy about this word on joy? Joy is meant to be fun and happy and joy. It's joy, joy, joy. And the Lord just really showed me that it's because us as a church and this message is piercing something in our planet today and in our states and in our uh, country today that is something heavy. There's, there's been a heaviness in our world, um, in our, our lives and in the news, and I don't have to go in all the detail, but it's been heavy. And I think because we preach on joy and when we preach about these things and we bring these words to life and to light, it pierces the darkness. And I don't ever want to sit around and focus on the darkness because Jesus has the final say and he is the hope of the world and, and the light of the world. But we can't take it for granted, the light that we carry and our calling in this world to pierce that darkness. And so we're preaching on joy, whether that little devil likes it or not. And I decided yesterday when I was shopping, Christmas shopping, I decided that angry people should not have a horn. This was my deep revelation. Lord, what do you want me to preach on? Well, I tell everybody what I want for Christmas is for angry people's horns in their cars to stop working. Because I'm like the horn person that like taps it like a couple times. If someone in front of me doesn't go, I'm like, just want to let you know like you can go. There's other people that are like, I'm so angry. I'm laying on my horn that you accidentally missed the green light. And I'm taking all my anger out on this horn. (laughs) So angry people shouldn't have horns. That was my big revelation. So it was good. So let's get into the word today. Let's get into the word. The Bible. Let's turn to the Bible. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Amen. I am so excited for this one-year Bible. I think that this is a really um, great new season and journey that our church is going to be on together. I think it is so cool when a church can be in sync with what God is saying and moving and reading and going through the Bible together because you'll hear a message on a Sunday that probably is something that you read during the week. And God can do so much. When we get the word on the inside of us, there is something God can do in our life that if we leave our Bible on the nightstand, God can only do so much in your life. And the word of God is the most powerful thing that we can get into our souls, into our spirits, and into our minds. So Hebrews 12, one to three says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How many things in our life, how many crosses that we're bearing, how many things are we walking through where we need to do just what Jesus did and set the joy before us? See, we all are going to face things. We live in a world that has fallen. We live in a planet that is, is full of things that are not of God and people that are not saved and people that don't understand the things of God. And so things in our lives will happen. It's inevitable. But what do we do and how do we handle them? And I wanted to talk about this scripture. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This word endured in the Greek, actually translates to hupomino. And I think I'm saying that right. But I actually had to make a slide because it's good to see what I'm actually saying. <laughs> hupomino. Hupo equals under and mino equals abide or stay. And if you put the two together, what this is saying is that a person who is under some type of incredibly heavy load but who refuses to stray from his position because he is committed to a task. God is going to call us to things in our life. God is going to put a purpose and a destiny on our life. God is going to bring us through processes where we sometimes feel like we're simply enduring. But can we stay committed? Can we stay faithful? And can we endure that cross just like Jesus did? And the way that we can do that is by setting the joy before us. See, oftentimes things come to us and we think we can handle it in our own strength. And I can tell you that that's more of an A-type personality like me. I'm like, I got this, I can do this. And sometimes we forget to go ahead and say, God, go before me. I'm gonna set the joy before me so that I can endure what you have for me. So I can endure this process and make it to the other side. That word endured tells us emphatically that Jesus refused to stray from his position. And I don't know if any of you are here today that are walking through something, a season, a moment, a friendship, a relationship, something in your family. You know, Christmas time brings a lot of joy, but for some people it brings a lot of turmoil. And we don't wanna be the church that pretends that people aren't walking through things. We have incredible pastoral care teams, incredible ministry teams, because we know that life is life. Because we know that people deal with things, because we know that people face situations that they can't handle on their own. But can we stay committed to the journey? Can we let the joy be set before us so that we can fulfill the calling of God in our life? God's not calling us to step back or try to find a way out of these moments. He wants to be with us through those moments and see us to the other side. Amen. So the title of my message this morning is Ready, Set, Joy. Ready, Set, Joy. Because if you're one of those people that's like, I'm on a mission, ready, set, go, but you forgot to put the joy before you, then I'm not quite sure how far you're going to get. So ready, set, joy. Ready, set, joy. What things do we need to endure right now that we need to let joy be set before us? See, it is funny that I'm preaching on this topic because joy has been an area of growth for me, if I'm honest. And the reason I know this is because I'm drastically 
comparing myself to a very, sorry, I said that wrong. I'm comparing myself to a drastically different situation of what I was brought up and raised in and what my husband was brought up and raised in. (laughs) So in the beginning of our marriage, we would wake up in the morning and he would be like, oh my gosh, it's a new day. Joy, 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 joy. Hey babe, how are you doing? You're so amazing. And they'd be like, where have you been? How much coffee have you had? And I quickly realized that he would tell me stories about when he was raised as a child. His mom would wake up and say, this is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Does anybody else have that kind of upbringing? I mean, oh, you're my husband's people. Those are your people, babe, right there. You go find those. Those are your people. See, I was raised in a good home, but it wasn't like that. I'm just going to say, it was not like that. I wasn't waking up to, you know, a bunch of negative things, but I definitely wasn't waking up to the joy of the Lord is your strength and like all this joy stuff. And so, A, I quickly got convicted of my attitude, but then at the same time, I would get so frustrated because I'm like, there is a massive gap here. And I don't know how this is going to work out. (laughs) But I had to learn not to let my circumstances dictate my joy. I had to learn it. Otherwise, I don't know if my husband would stay married to me. I mean, he probably would because he made a vow. And that's not in the vows. Like, if you're happy, you know, you can stay married. But it wasn't going to be a happy one. It wasn't going to be a good one. It wasn't going to be a fun marriage. If I was just sitting there always being Miss Negative Nancy all the time. And so I had to really work on myself in this area. Even the other day, like I know the Holy Spirit is really working on me because he shows me things about myself all the time that I'm like, dang it. (laughs) So two Christmases ago, my husband got me this ring. It's called the Aura Ring. And it tells you how much you sleep at night and it tells you how much calories you burn during the day. It's really meant to help you get a pulse on your health. And it's really meant for good things. But I've had it for two years and it's been a slippery slope of addiction to my aura ring. I would wake up every single morning and open the app and see how much sleep I got. Because I had this story in my head that if I didn't get enough sleep, that the day was just gonna be bad. So I'd look at it and be like, I got less than eight hours of sleep again for the last three years. (laughs) Because I have a three-year-old. And (laughs) I mean, there is some truth to that. But I would let it dictate my emotions. And that is when it got dangerous. So then when we moved, I lost my aura ring charger. And then I started waking up happier. I started waking up and I didn't look at my level of sleep. And then I'd be like, oh, I don't even know. Like in this instance, knowledge is not the best thing for me. I don't need to know how much slept I ha- sleep, sleep I had. <laughs> and so I realized the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, this, that aura ring has got you. And your level of sleep is dictating your joy, it's dictating your happiness, it's dictating your emotions, it's dictating probably your health and definitely your marriage (laughs) in a bad way. So I was like, all right. So then I charged my aura ring up and I told myself, aura ring, I'm gonna use you for good. I'm not gonna use you for evil anymore in Jesus' name. And you're not gonna dictate my emotions. You're not gonna dictate my feelings in Jesus' name. And we've been good. We have a good relationship now. We're good, don't worry. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give all of you the opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit into your world. If that hasn't happened for you yet, it's very helpful. (laughs) He He is very helpful. So 
So I'm gonna put it to you today that joy cannot come without trials, tribulation, and resistance. Romans 5 says this, one to four. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, though whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which now we stand. And we boast in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Woohoo! Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Don't we love those scriptures in the Bible? Thank you. Thank you. We glory in our sufferings. But resistance brings strength. If we allow the resistance in our life not to take us out, it will actually bring us to a stronger place in our faith, a stronger place in our emotions, a stronger place in our calling, a stronger place in our convictions, and ultimately a stronger place in the Holy Spirit. And I wanna talk about just what's happened in the recent past 18 months, two years or so, and what's happened in the church and the resistance that the world has brought to the church. Because we all know that the enemy has tried to silence the voice of the church. Thank God for our pastors. Thank God I honor them. I honor them, I honor them, I honor them. I'm thankful for them. Pastors Jurgen and Leanne, in a time where the world didn't know what voice to listen to, and it wasn't even the world, Christians didn't even know what voice to listen to. So many deceived Christians. And I can't say that it was, in those moments, it was easy to be deceived. So I don't judge them or blame them, but our pastors have made a stand for freedom so that we are not dictated by a voice of fear and by the voice of the enemy. And I'm so thankful, but it has brought resistance. And so I wanna read this scripture because this is actually what's happening. And it's a word in season for the church and it's individual and it's for the church as a whole. It's in Hebrews 12, 6, uh, 26, it says this. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The word once more indicates the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Awaken Church is a church that cannot be shaken. People who attend our church, people who believe in the calling and what God has for this church is a church that cannot be shaken. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be, in, be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So what it says to me is, is that God is causing things to be shaken. God is causing things to be sifted. And what will be left is the strongest, most potent version of Christian believers on planet earth. But all that couldn't happen. None, where we're sitting today couldn't have happened if March 2020 didn't happen. If the whole world didn't shut down for months, if even our church didn't shut down for a couple months, we wouldn't have the strength and the calling and the courage that we have today. So with every single resistance creates strength and we are stronger than ever, ever before and you are stronger than ever before. You are stronger than ever, ever before. If 2020 and 2021 felt like H-E double hockey sticks for you, I promise you're stronger because of it. Everyone had their own personal breakthroughs. Everyone has had their own personal things and things that God has shown them. But the church as a whole has risen because the world has been shaken. And here we stand strong and courageous. And if you are newer here and you feel like you're not quite there yet, we're here for you. 
We wanna help you. We wanna teach you. We wanna show you. We want you to be strong and courageous in the conviction and the calling that God has for you on this earth for this season, for such a time as this. So how are we able to, re- to face the resistance that is brought to us? Just like Jesus did, he endured the cross because it was the joy that was set before him. Every situation that we face, we need to make sure that we have set joy before it so that that situation doesn't take us out, but that we walk through it and we overcome it in Jesus' name. All right, so I'm gonna go through a few things um, just practically on how we can make sure that joy is set before us so that we can endure everything that life brings us. And number one is this, focus on the outcome. Focus on the outcome. James 1, 2 says this, consider it nothing but joy, my brother and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Consider it nothing but joy whenever you fall into various trials. See, my husband and I went through a lengthy journey of not being able to get pregnant for quite some time when we first got married. And it was about five years of just like, what is going on, God? This is so ridiculous. And I felt so mad. I felt so confused. I felt so angry. I felt so emotional. I'm like, wow, there's lots of emotions in there. But how many of you know is in those times, in those moments where it has refined me to be the person I am today? I can tell you, I remember driving to these IVF appointments in complete tears. And our doctor is two and a half hours away. So I would be driving by myself, crying the whole time, wondering, asking God, mad at God, going, sitting in traffic. I'm like, oh, traffic. This tested every cell of my being. You can ask my husband. (laughs) This situation tested every cell of my being. And it wasn't until just a couple weeks ago I was talking to someone and they actually are on the similar journey to me. And they said, why do you think, what was the biggest thing that you got out of that whole journey? Because now my husband and I have three amazing, beautiful, miracle babies. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And I said to this person, I feel like God refined me so much in the area of trusting him and letting go of all the control that I had been conditioned to have in my life, any amount of fear that I had for God's plan for my life. It was in each and every process, because we did it three times. I had to, we did it four times actually, it worked three times. And so every single time, even the time when it didn't work, I had to ask God, Why, what's going on here? So every time I was met with this resistance, met with these emotions, met with this feeling of defeat, I had to ask God, why? What is happening? And the biggest revelation I can tell you is I see parents all over the place that are literally like blatant helicopter parents. If you're one of those, let's talk later. (laughs) But I can tell you that I, because I had to let go of all fear and all control in those moments of even having my kids, that now I'm like, why would God give me these amazing miracle babies and then something happened to them? I'm never, go, I'm never, my default is never fear when it comes to my kids. And I have let go of every ounce of control in being a parent, but it was because God refined me time after time in going after what he promised. 
And because I was able to go through with him this process for what he promised, there's incredible fruit. I wouldn't be the wife I am today. I wouldn't be the mom I am today. I wouldn't be the pastor with the understanding of these emotions and these feelings and things that happen to people. Today, I wouldn't be able to walk through and believe for miracles for people today hadn't I gone through each and every fight and battle that I had to go through in those moments. Resistance will create strength in so many ways. And I was telling this person, I said, it has so much more to do with not the fact that I have fought for babies. On a spiritual level, I was fighting something in the spiritual realm that needed a break over my own life. And so look at your own life. Is there something there right now that is, is a circumstance or a situation that could represent something so much bigger that you might be unaware of that God is trying to get to you and trying to spiritually break over your life? Focus on the outcome. Focus on the outcome. If we look at Paul and Silas in the Bible, you know, the two guys that went to jail, they went to jail and they sang, they were so joyful, they were so happy that they sang, they sang in joy and then the walls of the jail fell down. But then what did they do? They didn't escape immediately. I don't know if we talk about this story all too, this part of the story all too often, but this is what it says. The jailer, so the guy who was in charge of the jail woke up and he saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Because how many of you know that that guy was dead meat if he let the prisoners out? So Paul and Silas stayed. They didn't escape right away. They said, the jailer called for the lights. Oh, sorry, I skipped this. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Paul and Silas were focused on the outcome because they saw a man that could lose his life. Even though God just brought a miracle, the walls of the prison fell down. But Paul and Silas said, wait, we are still here because we know the outcome of this. We are focused on the outcome. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? What thing in your life are you facing today? Like Paul and Silas, something is happening in your life, but what is the outcome? What is the outcome? What is God trying to get to you? What is God trying to do through you? Don't focus on what's happening in this moment, but what the outcome is going to be, what the fruit of it's going to be. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and you, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. See, everything that brings me joy today was at one point met with tribulation. I strongly believe that joy can be cultivated out of a place of tribulation. And in a lot of cases, it is impossible to have joy if you haven't actually faced a trial or a tribulation along the way. When I was a kid, we moved here um, to California from Texas. Texas people are awesome. I love Texans. I am one. But... Um, we moved here and it was really hard. I was in high school. I was actually a sophomore in high school. And I remember just crying like another, why God? Why God is this happening? Why do I have to move? I literally moved here from a ranch. Like we had five acres and we had pigs and dogs and things, lots of lizards and all sorts of animals. And I moved to Temecula, California. <laughs> And it was like the biggest culture shock of my life at that age. Up to this point, I thought life was all full of good and easy things. And I think this was the first real trial and tribulation that I met. Looking back now, 
seeing what God was trying to get through me and to me, but not knowing in that moment of going, oh my gosh, my parents, I hate them. They just moved me to freaking California and everybody is fake here. And I, my town in Texas was 7,000 people, okay? So we moved to Temecula, very different. And I'm like going to a new school. And I, in Texas, I was a cheerleader and I was, God, I had it going on. Like I really did. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> That's how I felt. But I can tell you that today I wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't be married to the man I married. I wouldn't have my children. None of this would be happening if I let myself sit in that space of being mad that my parents moved me to California. And praise God, God has called me to California for such a time as this. Praise God. Now looking at 2020 and going, oh my gosh, people, are, we need leaders and people of strength to rise up in California and God's placed me here. What do you know? Coincidence? No. Plans of God? Yes. Yes. So I can tell you that every situation, if you look back in your life, you can see the goodness of God, the plans of God, even though sometimes it's met with a trial, a tribulation, a storm, and it doesn't feel like the best ever, but know that God has a plan for it. There was many times my husband and I in this journey, in this process of buying our house that we just got, it's a complete miracle, like complete miracle. Miracle, the biggest miracle we've ever experienced together in our lives besides having our three kids was getting this house. And there was moments where we had to ask ourselves, what did God say? Because there would be moments where he would say, do you, do you really think that this is what we're supposed to do? And I'd be like, I don't know. It seems like a lot of work. There's a lot of trees to take care of. <laughs> There's a bigger pool to take care of. I don't know, you know, like we would waver. I'm not gonna lie and say we don't, we didn't waver. But the, what we kept going back to is what did God say? And we knew that we knew that we knew that God said that that was our house. And we chose to stand on the word of God and the promises of God rather than our feelings, our emotions, and what that all felt like and brought the stress. Trust me, I know things are stressful. I know we just moved. I know it's stressful. I know it's stressful. But what does God say? What did God say? Yeah. You're experiencing stress. You're experiencing depression. You're experiencing anxiety in a moment because of a circumstance. But what did God say? What is God trying to get to you and through you in the middle of that storm? Galatians 6, 9 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do not give up. Alrighty, ready for number two? Number two, here we go. Cultivate joy. So joy and happiness, we have learned over the course of this series are two very different things. I wanna put it out there that you can have joy and you can feel sad. You can have joy and you can feel happy. Feelings do not dictate your joy. But what I wanna tell you is that you can cultivate an atmosphere of joy in your life. Despite what you're feeling, despite what you're facing, you can cultivate an atmosphere of joy. Some things you can do. I think the most important thing that, you, that we need to evaluate, especially as believers, is the people we surround ourselves with. I took a little note from Joyce Meyer on a message I was listening to the other day. Toxic people to avoid. People that cause strife, strife, people that have a bad temper or are temperamental, people that only find fault. Yikes, I'm running from those people already. Someone who always has a problem. I'm not talking about like, 
you know, something you're walking through something with, somebody, somebody you're walking through something with, like a pastoral care problem that we're dealing with, that is a different thing. But someone who just always has a problem with something. Like you're sitting there thinking when I had the little people up here dancing, the little kids up here dancing that they were off sync or some, you know, like just stop it. And if I'm reading these people to you and you feel convicted like you're one of them, just stop it. Just stop it. Manipulators and controllers, people who are never wrong and never apologize, people who are self-absorbed and people who are liars. See, it's so important because everybody carries a spirit. Everybody carries something with them. And the people you surround yourself is so important because it creates an atmosphere around your life. And I'm not saying you just have to be around happy, fun people all the time. I'm not saying that at all. But you know, you know if someone has a spirit of heaviness and you know if, if you can pray with them and help them have a breakthrough, that's one thing. But if they just choose to stay that way just because they're going to be stubborn and stay that way, that's the kind of person you don't want to deal with. And I want to say something about setting boundaries because now you're not going to go home. This is what you don't do. You don't go home and go through your Instagram, go through your Facebook and through your phone contacts and start deleting people and just say, I'm never talking to you again because Pastor Michaela and Joyce Meyer said so. No, that's not how you do it. Create boundaries, have a conversation, say, listen, I've noticed this about you and I'm, I want to create some new boundaries in my life in 2022. And I really want you to know that I want to set this boundary with you, but I want to help you. But if you are unwilling to see it and unwilling to change, we're going to have to, our relationship will look different. These are conversations. They're not just like, cut off, you're done, out of here, see you later, burn your phone number. No, not ha- don't do it that way. Please don't do it that way. Otherwise, you're going to cause lots of problems for Pastor Alicia and she'll be mad at me. Let's do things the right way. Let's do things the mature way. Let's be spiritually mature people who can have these conversations and do a friend inventory. Do a friend inventory and just say, who am I surrounding myself and who do I want to spend more time with next year to cultivate an atmosphere of joy in my life? And these don't have, you know, people, I have so many friends that are so different from me. Most of my friends are actually very different from me because I don't want to be friends with everybody that's just like me. I want to grow from my friendships. I want to be a better person from my friendships. I want my friends to see things about me and speak life into me and speak encouragement into me and also tell me when I did something stupid, okay? And then evaluate not only your friendships, but evaluate, evaluate your calendar. So experiences can bring happiness, yes. So I don't want you to confuse me by saying just because you do something fun, you have joy in your life, no. But what you can do is you can cultivate an atmosphere of joy by doing things that bring you peace, doing things. Maybe it's, it's setting aside extra time for prayer because that, you know, that's what brings you peace. Maybe it's um, setting aside time to get it, do a getaway with your husband or your wife. And you know, that brings you fun. That brings you joy. Those are all good things. And God wants us to live our life to the fullest. In John 10, 10, it says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants us to have a full life, full of joy, full of peace, full of his abundance. And if we can do our jobs, like God gives you joy. He pro- one of his promises, once you receive the Holy Spirit, is a spirit of joy but then you make no time and you're just working all the time. You make no time in your calendar to do anything that actually brings you any level of joy. Then how are you gonna cultivate that? You can't, you can't make up joy, but you can cultivate these atmospheres around your life through the people you're around and through the things that you choose to do with your time. I would say for this coming year, being in church is one of the best ways that you can cultivate joy in your life. Because our world only seems to be getting crazier and crazier, 
this will be a place where you can be, come in and be filled with faith. You can be filled with the power of God. You can be filled with healing. You can be encouraged. I'm telling you, in last year and this year, I have never craved church so much. And I don't mean to mistake that with crave God so much, but I, when I come into church, there's a presence of God in this place that it's, it's unexplainable and it just does something. Being in church does something. Amen. Moving on to number three. Spirit fingers are here. <laughs> Thank you. Number three is this. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. If you do not rely on the Holy Spirit, then, and there's been times in my own life where I forgot to ask the Holy Spirit what he thought. And I'm usually wronger than him. It will, you will become to a place where, where you're desperate for the Holy Spirit because you know, you know, you know that He has the answers, that He is your counselor, that He is your guidance. Anytime we face something in life, the first person to consult is the Holy Spirit. And my question to us today is, does the Holy Spirit have you or do you simply just have the Holy Spirit? It's in every area of our life, not just when you come into church, not just when you're at the prayer meeting. I'm telling you, when I'm driving in the car is probably the most time I need the Holy Spirit. When I'm surrounded with people that bug me and make me mad because they're honking at me and being rude, that's when I need the Holy Spirit. If we can rely on the Holy Spirit, it will become easy to let joy lead the way. It becomes easy to let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Galatians 5.16 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Do you have the Holy Spirit or does this Holy Spirit have you? One of the quickest ways to gain joy in your spirit is by letting the Holy Spirit have all of you. Every thought, every feeling, every circumstance, every prayer that you pray. Did you know that God's not up there trying to see how hard you pray and how much you pray and the style you pray? If you are led by the Holy Spirit, even in your prayer life, you will find a peace that surpasses all understanding. I want to, we're going to be coming to a close. But even Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. In Luke 4, it says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end he was hungry. Could you imagine if the enemy came, I'm sorry, if the Holy Spirit came and said, I want to bring you into this wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the enemy. I'd be like, who am I hearing from? No, absolutely not. But here's Jesus, faithful to what God has for him, 
faithful to his calling, faithful to what the reason why God put him on the earth to begin with and goes out into the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil because the Holy Spirit told him to, tempted by the devil for 40 days for two reasons. One to, is because he, the father wanted Jesus to know his voice. And the second is the father wanted Jesus to know the voice of the enemy. And if you're in the middle of a situation, I would ask, is this the voice of God? Is this the voice of the enemy? Because the more we spend time with the Holy Spirit, the more we can recognize the difference between the two. We read in that scripture in John about how, I'm gonna go back to it and read it. I'm sorry, in Galatians. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit is contrary to the flesh. So we can be assured that any of our fleshly desires that are not of God, when we're full of the Holy Spirit, we can see it. And that's when the Holy Spirit conviction comes. You don't even have to have your friend call you out on something or your husband and your wife call you out on something because the Holy Spirit already did it. There's been so many times in my life where I'm like already convicted about something and then my friend echoes it and says it. And I'm like, I know, I totally agree with you. The Holy Spirit showed me that I need a change in that area. And then when my husband tells me, I say, nope, you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I, then I say, that's the voice of the enemy. I'm actually really kidding. My husband is very amazing in that way. I'm really, really kidding on that one. <laughs> but God wanted to be alone with Jesus so that Jesus could learn of his father's love for him. And then God equipped Jesus to face the trials ahead of, ahead of him by getting him to know what the enemy's temptations were, what the enemy was gonna throw at him. Before beginning this earthly, his earthly ministry, Jesus had to be tested by his spiritual enemy. It was in the wilderness away from people that Jesus not only powerfully drew close to his father, but also stood against the devil and defeated him so that this seasoned ability would be completely at his disposal as he fulfilled the responsibilities as Christ. See, life will be full of challenges and trials. And our job is to respond appropriately. Our job is to respond with the Holy Spirit. Our job is to respond in prayer. Our job is to respond with faithfulness, knowing that whatever comes our way, as so long as we have the joy of the Lord set before us, that we can handle anything that may come our way, whether it's from God, because sometimes situations and things we go through are from God so that we can learn something, so that we can have revelation. That's happened plenty times in my life. And sometimes things that we just need to fight the enemy. And the reason I wanted to talk about this part mostly is because I'm tired of seeing Christians whose strength and power is stolen because of the voice of the enemy. If we allow the enemy to steal our joy, he's essentially stolen everything. Because when we're, our joy is stolen, our strength is stolen, our courage is stolen. And eventually we become fearful and we become silent and we don't stand strong in our convictions as Christians. And so in the world that desperately needs joy so much right now, I wanted to put it to us today that whatever thing comes our way, because things will happen, things will happen, 
but our job is to respond with joy. Our job is to respond with faithfulness. Our job is to respond by asking the Holy Spirit to lead us through that trial and that situation. Let's get an attitude of you can't steal my joy. You can't steal my joy. My husband always tells me that. Like, why not? Just kidding. I don't wanna steal your joy, babe. I just wanna bring you joy. Why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet? I'm gonna close this service here in two minutes. We need to do something really, really important. See, if you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit or prayed for for that, I want you to come forward after service. Our ministry team will pray with you. But right now I wanted to give the opportunity here to anybody who has never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is completely impossible to operate in joy without Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And people that think that they are joyful without Jesus, it's manufactured. It's just called happiness. And we are not Christians that are weak or fleeting Christians. We are Christians that are strong, that when people look at us, it's like that scripture it talks about creates character. Perseverance creates character. And we are Christians with strong character. We are Christians that can stand and fight the good fight of faith because we know our calling, we know our purpose on this planet. And I thank you, Lord, that right now, if every head is bowed and every eye could close, in this moment, I'm just gonna give anybody here the opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is the reason for the season. This is why we do church. This is why we are here. In this two minutes is the reason why we do everything we do. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross for you and me so that we could live a life that is set free. Freedom from any sickness, freedom from any emotional health, any physical health, free from our sin and our bondage. So if that's you here today and you wanna accept Jesus, on the count of three, if you could lift your hand so I can see and the whole church is gonna pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. One, two, three. Go ahead and lift your hand. I see a hand over here. Come on, there's a hand up there. My spotters are showing me where your hands are. I'm just so proud of you who, are, who have already lifted your hands. I know there's more. In the first service, there was about 10 people that lifted their hands to receive Jesus. If there's any more, just go ahead. I'll give you one more moment to respond. Thank you, Jesus. Any more hands? Thank you, Lord. All right, well, we're gonna say a prayer together right now. So whole church, come on, repeat after me. Dear Lord, thank you for my salvation. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you today. Show me the way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.